Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want you to go with me, please, to a Bible verse from the Gospel of St. Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 52, and I'm reading this just one verse in order to lay a foundation for what the Lord laid upon my heart to share with you today. Luke, chapter 2, verse 52, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what the Word says. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and all the people. And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and all the people. Now, if you search the Gospels, this is all the scriptures say about Jesus from the age of 12, until the age of 30, when he went to John to be baptized in the Jordan and subsequently being commissioned into his ministry. Biblical scholars call this period in Jesus's life from the age of 12 until the age when he was commissioned into his ministry, they call it the silent years. They are silent because nothing is really mentioned about Jesus during those years. What was Jesus doing in those silent years? Well, the Bible tells us, Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says, that Jesus grew and increased in wisdom, that is, spiritual insight. He also grew physically in stature. That's physical growth. And he also grew in favor with God and people. And that is relational growth. So he grew in all of these areas in wisdom, in stature, in favor, in relational growth, in spiritual insight and understanding. You see, Jesus didn't bring wisdom with him from heaven. The Bible says that he emptied himself of all his privileges, all his glory and splendor, and became an infant born of a woman. So he had to learn and grow in understanding, in the culture of the kingdom, just like you and I. And through the diligent study of the Torah and the time he spent in prayer, he learned the ways of God and acquired the wisdom of the ages. He discovered his identity in the written word of God. He discovered who he really was and why he came to earth. That's where he got it from. He grew physically as a man, and he grew in favor 
the Bible says, as he learned to relate to people and to God, his heavenly father. That's relational equity and growth and favor. You see, I believe that our heavenly father gives all of us those silent years in which he gives us every opportunity to grow in the knowledge of God, to grow in wisdom and in spiritual understanding. These silent years are years, I believe, of being prepared for what God prepared for us to step into at an appropriate time, when it's the right time, when we are fully matured, when we have developed spiritually, mentally, then, it, then we are ready to step into our God-given calling, our God-given ministry and purpose. Now, these years are the hidden years, if I would say that. It is the years in which God, as though he hides us away, so to speak. He hides us away from the eyes of men. Nobody knows who we are, and nobody knows what God is secretly working and developing within us. And every believer has been given those silent years in order to prepare himself as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the years of preparation, the years of training in the word of righteousness. They, these are years of, of maturing in the Lord and developing in our understanding of the ways of God before we are being commissioned by the Lord and displayed, so to speak, before the eyes of the world. They are very vitally important years of our spiritual growth and development. I believe these are the years of laying a strong foundation beneath our feet that will carry us, spiritually speaking, that will carry us for the rest of our life's journey. What we do in these years determines whether we will fulfill our God-given calling or not even enter into it. If we redeem these silent years wisely and invest them in the development of our faith and of our character, I believe we will be successful, fruitful, and productive in whatever God has assigned us to do in the service of his kingdom. Would you say amen to that? We will be productive. We will be fruitful if we redeem these years wisely, do not squander them or be sidetracked from what God has called us to do. Unfortunately, this is not the case with most of the disciples, most of the believers, because most of the children of God remain untrained in those years because they have not taken advantage of them. And as a result, we are without any significant growth or spiritual development. That's why Moses in the book of Psalms says, 
teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Wisdom will empower you and wisdom will teach you how to invest and what to invest into in those silent years. It is a fact that many of God's beloved children, they live and die without ever entering into the God-ordained calling or ministry. In other words, they remain outside of the promised land. It's sad, but nevertheless, it's the truth. As a result, of course, of being untrained, undeveloped spiritually, we also remain spiritually unemployed. There is spiritual unemployment as well. Because God, if we're not trained in the word of righteousness, God cannot trust us with the task we were designed to accomplish in furthering the interests of the kingdom of God. Amen. God cannot trust spiritual babes, but he trusts mature, developed people, sons of the living God. The Bible says that the whole creation waits for the revelation or the manifestation of the mature sons of God to be shown, to be revealed on the stage of the world. And so if we are not trained, if we're not equipped, if we're not developed spiritually, we will remain spiritually unemployed. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, all of us, the Bible says, who are recreated in Christ Jesus, were recreated for good works. And these good works, the Bible says that God the Father prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You get it? You were recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. The good works that the Bible is speaking about here have already been prepared for you before you even showed up. Prepared that you may walk in those good works. But listen, these good works that God prepared for each one of us require wise planning. They require proper training and timely execution in order to be successful and in order to be productive in these good works. Are you with me? You can't just enter into these good works because these God-ordained good works cannot be uh, um, done by natural strength or human intelligence. They can only be done by the anointing of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, as God anoints each and every one of us to be able to do what is not possible for human beings to do. Amen? But we are empowered with the anointing of the Spirit. So these good works, as I mentioned to you, they require wise planning. It takes wisdom, and it takes proper training, and it takes timely execution in order to be successful and productive in these good works. Now, I recall from my own experience, 
I can only speak for myself, you know, and I speak often of that because it's something I lived, it's something I've experienced, and it's something I know what I'm talking about. In the early days of my rebirth, I discerned in the spirit the direction, or should I say, the destination the Lord wanted me to steer my life into. And thank God, the spirit of God, because of prayer and the time I took to spend in the word, the spirit of God began to reveal to me my future. And I saw glimpses. I didn't see the whole picture, but I saw glimpses and I saw where God wanted me to steer my life and steer my attention and my focus because I discerned by the Spirit that is where God is going to call me into. Well, the first thing I did when I picked that up in my spirit, I began to pray and ask for the wisdom of God because I understood by reading the scriptures that wisdom is the principal thing. That's what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 through to 9 says. Listen to what the word says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt it, exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Now, in reading these scriptures, I understood by the Spirit, as I meditated on them, on the value of the wisdom of God, and my heart went after it. I pursued wisdom in my prayers more than anything else, because I realized that none other thing could ever give me what wisdom is able to do for me. And thank God for that. Thank God for the Spirit. If I was to be successful, I realized in the work God had called me to do, I needed his wisdom every step of the way. And listen, one of the first things wisdom taught me was to redeem these silent years in investing into my spiritual growth and spiritual development. That's the first thing the wisdom of God taught me. As I look, in other words, he wanted me to put first things first, to put the right priorities into my life. And that, of course, is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. As I look back over the years, I see very clearly how well those years have served me in the ministry I have been serving for almost 40 years. Because the time I took in developing my character, my faith, and the gift that God has given me have put a solid, strong foundation beneath my feet that launched me into the destiny that God preordained for me. In these silent years of waiting on God for the timing of my release, wisdom, as I mentioned, taught me the value of priorities. I am surprised that many believers have not fully realized the value of having right priorities in life. 
They seem to be focused on things that, yes, they're valuable and necessary, but not as valuable. What considers God as valuable? It taught me to put and set right priorities and in the right order. I recall I was sitting in church one Sunday evening. We had Sunday evening services those years. And a prophet, a visiting prophet, was passing by our local church, and he was asked to minister. And he ministered prophetically, not to all of us, but to some people. When he came to me, he spoke a prophetic word, and he said these words, set your house in order, for in the next season, you will be released into the ministry which I have prepared for you. That was a prophetic word of wisdom, and I thank God for that. You see, wisdom taught me to give God and his word, listen carefully, first place in my life, putting first things first. My relationship with the Lord, of course, having heard and having understood and discerned the will of God, my relationship with Christ became the central focus of my time and of my energy. I was taught to honor God with my time as well as with my finances. And through self-discipline, by the grace of God, I was able to daily devote time in prayer. Not a day went by without spending time with God in prayer and in the study of his word. And before long, I was established both in the word and I was established both in prayer. These are two vitally important spiritual disciplines that every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to settle this in his heart and mind. You need to have an established prayer life and you need to be established in the knowledge of God's word. I consider this or I resemble them as the two wings of the eagle and you need them both in order to have balance in our lives. And so those two disciplines were established early. And throughout the years I have walked with God. As I look back, meditating in the word, combined with prayer, this is my testimony, folks, and I'm sharing from my own wisdom and my own experience what I have experienced. These times, these encounters with the Lord in prayer and in the word have fueled my spirit and over and over again with strength, with inward fortitude to face any challenge and by the grace of God be able to overcome. But it is these encounters with the Lord, both in prayer and in the word, that I've heard from God, that I was strengthened in the Lord, that God would refuel and renew my strength and inner fortitude in order to be able to stand strong and resist whatever challenge the enemy would throw against me. These face-to-face -face encounters with the Lord have enabled me to rise again and again above 
the challenges of life and steer my life, steer it towards my destiny. You know, the enemy, if he cannot stop you from being born again, he will release everything that he has against you to sidetrack you, to take your focus off of the primary call that God placed in your life. And he will succeed unless you resist him and have the ability and the strength and the fortitude to be able to resist him. And many of God's dear children have been sidetracked from God's purpose and from God's call. They have entangled themselves with the affairs of this life and have allowed the cares and the worries and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things to crowd the minds and the hearts and they have sidetracked from what God has called them to do. So the devil will fight you then. And you need to know and understand that because once you discover your destiny, once you discover your spiritual identity and what God has gifted you and called you to do, you become dangerous to the, to the forces of darkness. He's terrified of people who know who they are who know the gifting and who know what God called them to do because they are determined, they are focused, they are energized to fulfill those good works that God had prepared for them. And he's terrified. That's why he resists you. That's why he causes these worries and anxieties and desires for other things to take your focus off of what is really important in your life. Nothing is more important than the call of God and the will of God on your life. Nothing is more important. Not even family. The call of God, the will of God is the most important thing in your life and your relationship with him. And we need to understand that. So if I would summarize these encounters, these times of prayer and studying the word and calling upon God and fasting and praying, no words could adequately describe what these precious encounters have done to my faith and my relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I want to emphasize this one important thing that I have learned through 40 years of ministry of watching believers live their lives. This is what I have observed. Over the 40 years I have been in public ministry, I have observed that believers struggle and they fail in life as a result of not being established in the word, neither in the prayer life. As a result, they are unstable. Are you listening to me? No inner fortitude. They are unskilled and untrained in the word of righteousness. And because of it, of course, they floundering, unstable. As the Bible says, children are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because they have not established themselves in the word and in prayer. Let me say this, giving priority to spiritual disciplines, such as prayer, the study of God's word, fasting, assembling of ourselves together, giving, 
sharing our faith, serving, will enhance and strengthen our relationship with the Lord and will enable us to grow and to increase in wisdom and favor with God and man. Amen. Are you still with me? Praise God. I pray the Lord will give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is emphasizing today. In prayer, early in my walk with God, once I determined the will of God, the wisdom of God, listen carefully, gave me the plan of how I was to prepare myself for the future which the Lord had prepared for me. Don't forget, you need a plan for everything in your life. It is the plan that is given to us from the wisdom of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. The silent years of my spiritual walk were years of preparation which lasted about seven years approximately. At the end of those years, I was ready. And therefore, God employed me. He called me into his service, public service, and commissioned me into the first phase of my ministry. And that was the ministry of the evangelist. Listen, if our faith is to function to its maximum, We must have a plan of action every time we endeavor to step out in obedience to God. Don't step out unless you have a plan. And the plan is given by the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, a safety. Did you hear that? By wise counsel, that's wisdom, you will wage your own warfare. Because remember this, we are soldiers of the Lord. We are in a warfare whether we like it or not. The world hates us, hates our guts. Satan hates you. And he's determined to destroy you, destroy your life and distract you, sidetrack you from what God has called you to do. Don't release your faith for anything unless you hear from God first and receive his mind on the matter. And through wisdom, get a plan. A plan of action. Wisdom will do that for you. I still practice this principle today as I exercise my faith in what God promises. When I was diagnosed by medical science with myasthenia gravis, and you all know of it, a chronic autoimmune disorder characterized by muscular weakness, a condition which medical science says is incurable, the first thing I did, I sought the Lord to show me how he wanted me to use my faith and overcome it. Give me a plan, Lord. And he did. Praise God, he did. I called on the wisdom of God to reveal to me, show me, give me a plan. 
because I saw in the scriptures, every battle that was fought, those that fought the battle had a plan. Jesus, when he healed the sick, he didn't heal them all in the same way, in the same method. He used a different strategy every single time. Why? Because he had the mind of God. He knew the Father's mind and the Father's will and what he wanted to do in every situation. Jesus never moved in presumption. He always knew the end result of what was going to take place because he understood the ways of God and he understood the mind of God, his Father. He had such a close union and fellowship with God that he said, I do not say anything unless I hear my father say it. I do not do anything unless I see my father do it. How did he see the father do it? In the spirit, in the wisdom of God, because he knew the heart of the father. Now, most believers that I know and, and through the years of my experience have no plan of action when exercising their faith. They just rush into things, assuming that God will be there to help them. You see, when you don't have a plan, you start to presume and assume things. But that's not how God works. They have no vision, no plan to adhere to. And as a result, they fail and end up going around and around in circles. You can shout all you want, you can scream all you want, you can cry all you want, you can beg God all you want, unless you have a plan of action and you exercise that, there will be no, no uh, results, no breakthrough, no victory. That's why we should ask, what's your plan here, Lord? What is it you want to do? How do you want to do it? I know your will, I know your promise. It is to do this, but I don't know how you want to do it. Amen? Okay, many believers and even churches today struggle to get off the ground, so to speak, simply because they lack this one thing, the wisdom of God for the season they are in. You've got to know the season that you're in right now. What season is it? Is it season of planting? Is it season of reaping? What, what season is it? Is it season of investing in a certain area of your life? We've got to know there are seasons. We live life in seasons, folks. Amen? So in every test, in every trial we're facing, know that God has a plan to get you out of it and give you the victory over every challenge you might be facing. Well, you say, Pastor, well, I don't know. I prayed, but I haven't got anything. I didn't receive anything. Well, stay before God until you do. Stay before God in prayer until you do. You may have to go fast for a while. Do so. But stay until you receive his plan. Amen. Do whatever is necessary for clarity, for direction. When in doubt, do nothing. Wait upon the Lord. Trust also in him, the Bible says. So once you have a plan of action, we execute it by faith. No matter how foolish, and most of the plans that our Heavenly Father gives us in his wisdom, they sound foolish to the natural mind. That's how God works. No matter how foolish they, they seem to be, obey it, pursue it, 
until final victory. You see, I said, if you study the Bible where the battles, real battles were fought and won by individuals, you will always notice they had a plan of action. They didn't go to war unless they received the plan. Many times, like David, he would inquire of the Lord, Lord, shall I go after the enemy? And God would speak to him and tell him, go after them. Other times he would say, when you hear the wind in the mulberry trees rustling, that's the signal. When you hear that, go after them. He received direction in every battle. For example, Joshua. He didn't just go charging in, even though God had promised them the city of Jericho. He didn't just charge in. He had a plan. And that plan was received from the commander-in-chief of the armies of God. He gave him a plan. He heard from God. He received his plan. Then he went into action. And he didn't even have to throw a javelin or an arrow. All they had to do was go around the walls once a day and on the seventh day, seven times and then shout. And God brought the walls down. You see, he was cooperating with the plan of God. David had a plan of action before he faced Goliath. Even though King Saul tried to dress him up by giving him his armor, David refused it. He said, I'm not trained in this. He knew that he could not get up close to the giant. And that's why he used what he knew best, the sling and the stone. That was the plan. A plan that he was used to and comfortable with. Are you still out there? You see, every challenge, every trial, every battle, God had a plan to sustain and preserve the widow from Zarephath and her son, during the years of famine, and at the same time preserve Elijah as well. What was the plan? The plan was to bring the prophet in touch with the widow and her family. And that's what took place. Elijah showed up at the door, and you know what? He asked for bread, bread which the woman didn't have. Oh, he says, ah. I don't have any bread. All I have is a little flour, and I'm going to cook it, I'm going to bake it, and I'm going to eat it with my son, and I'm going to die. There was no faith there. But Elijah said to her, give me the first portion. And you know, someone reading this, or I'm sure the woman must have originally thought, oh, my goodness, it must be a very selfish prophet. What kind of a prophet is this? taking the bread out of the widow's mouth. But you know what? That was the plan that God had given to the prophet. And thank God she was wise enough to obey and execute that plan. And you know what? She was sustained. Her son lived and the prophet was sustained through the years of the drought and famine. How? Miraculous. You see, when God gets involved in your affairs, you're going to see some miraculous things taking place that you cannot even explain how they happened. I can't explain it because you obey and because you follow the plan of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're still out there. 
without a plan. This is what wisdom does for us. Without a plan, we plan to fail. The Bible says that God had a plan before the foundation of the world to save humanity. Amen. And to restore to mankind all that was lost in the garden through the fall of Adam. God had the plan already. Nobody knew it. It was a mystery that was hidden from generations, the Apostle Paul plans, says. And God's plan was Jesus. And his strategy was the cross. And in the fullness of time, the plan was executed with precision and with wisdom. Even the disciples did not understand it. They were puzzled. They were perplexed. They couldn't figure it out. But God was working behind. Not the devil, the Bible says, didn't know. None of the princes or the rulers of this world knew. If they knew the plan, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, the Bible says. Amen. That's why when God gives you a plan, be quiet. Just go ahead and execute it. Amen. The devil had no clue what was going on. He only found out later, but my goodness, it was far too late for him. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. That none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And my brother, my sister, God has a perfect plan for your life, for my life, and everything that is going on right now in your life, good or bad, it's part and puzzle together with God's plan for your life. Learn everything you need to learn in the season that you are in. Nothing is wasted if you will exercise your faith and trust in God. Praise the Lord. And this plan that God has for your life, for my life, the Bible says is hidden in the wisdom of God. And is given to us through the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the gift of his spirit. And the Bible says we have not received the spirit of this world. But the spirit who is from God. For what purpose? That we might know. Know what? Know the plan. Know the purpose. Know the, 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 the ways of God. The culture. The kingdom of God. Know the deep mysteries of the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And remember, we can't just come up with our own plans and expect God to bless them. And this is what many of us do in our ignorance many times. We make our plans and we say, God, bless me. No. When you get the plan, it's already blessed. It's already because it's God's plan. Praise God. So we need to be sensitive to the Spirit as He communicates with us the wisdom of God. For me, I almost missed it if the Spirit had not pointed out to me what God wanted to use to bring me the healing that I was desperately needing. Thank God for the Spirit. He pointed it out to me. 
he said that elderly sister went all the way to the to the bookstore, got that book for you, gave it to you, you put it on the shelf. You know, he he alerted my attention and said, open it up and read and study. I did. That was God's plan. And on the morning of the 23rd of January, as I rose from my bed, I noticed something. No blurred vision, no double vision. I could see clearly. Praise God forevermore. Well, <clears throat> it's now three months since I had no more symptoms of this dreaded disease. I know, despite my wife's anxiety and fears, because I put away all my medication since the 1st of April, I continued to stay with our medication, taking one day at a time, thanking God for my deliverance. It's a walk of faith, folks. Let me say this to you in closing. What good is the word of God if it's not proven and if it's not experienced in everyday life? What good is it? What good are the promises of God if we do not exercise our faith in, in what they promise and experience the blessing and the benefits that flow from? Peter says, the power of God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of God and through these exceeding great and precious promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. And I want to close with this. Very often in the ministry, we get prayer requests to pray for various needs. And we do pray. And, and thank God, I want you to send in your prayer requests. But remember this. Prayer alone, without a plan of action, will not work. We can pray and pray and pray. Imagine the widow in Zarephath. 5. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And when the prophet showed up, she said, I have no bread. And she continued praying because she didn't recognize the plan of God. She would have died. We don't need just to pray. We need to get a plan. What's your plan, Lord? How do you want to get me out of this situation? Show it to me. Reveal it to me. Once he does, half the battle is over. Then you act on it. Amen. The purpose of the silent years are years in which God wants you to invest your energy, your time, your money into developing your relationship with the Lord. They are years that God is giving us for the purpose of renewing our minds and educating ourselves in the spirit. Don't waste them, please, by investing all your time in things which you will ultimately lose. Go for the things which remain, not only in this life, but in that which is to come. And remember, Jesus praised Mary for choosing wisely and giving the word first place in her life. But at the same time, he gently and lovingly rebuked Martha 
for allowing herself to be distracted by other things which are less important. Let's pray. We thank you for your precious word. And we thank you for these wonderful silent years in which you are hiding us away, so to speak, protecting us, covering us. Years in which you want us to seek your face diligently in order to discover our true identity in Christ. In order to receive the revelation of our gifting, of our calling, and the things that you have called us to do in due time. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom and you would help us utilize and take advantage of these silent years in Jesus' precious name. Mature us, grow us, develop us, and bring us to the place where we are ready to be commissioned and released into whatever sphere of life you call us. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.